In 2014, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles returned to the big screen. In a movie produced by Michael Bay and directed by the guy behind Battle Los Angeles and Darkness Falls. I could never bring myself to actually watch it. Until now. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Pierre and joining me as always is David. Yeah, you're a human nerd. Now that we got that out of the way, hit it. This is a movie podcast. We get together and we work through movie franchises or themes. And of course, right now we're working through the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action movies. We've done the three movies from the 90s. This episode is about the 2014 Michael Bay produced and then Jonathan Leavesman directed <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, this is the director. So Michael Bay sounds bad, but then the director, Jonathan Leesman, is the guy who directed Darkness Falls in Battle Los Angeles. Uh, I've not seen Battle Los Angeles. I've only heard bad things, but Darkness Falls mm-hmm. is one of the worst horror movies I've ever had the mis- misfortune of having to sit through. So. so that's how you know this one was really a treat. Well, th- those facts combined, and then just obviously not liking the trailers, meant I actually never seen this before outside of maybe like the first five minutes. I I, th- I thought I'd seen 20 minutes of it, but watching it today, I realized that I tapped out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, 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 I mean you'll, you'll get this because you just watched the movie. Um, yeah. Basically, when April goes back to the docks, mm-hmm. which is actually like five minutes, and it's not 20 minutes, and I was like, I, and the, it felt like 20 minutes when I watched it. <laughs> the first act of this movie is a speed run of first acts. It's just like, all right, go, 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 get it done, get it done, get it done, moving on. Yes, yes. Uh, so we'll get into it. We'll start spoiler-free if you happen to give a single solitary, you know. <laughs> I don't want to swear. But <laughs> uh, a shell. We'll, we'll give you spoilers, warnings, before we get into any of that. Uh, mm-hmm. But yes, uh, obviously there's some some changes to the Turtles lore that we'll talk about when we get into spoilers and things like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So we have Megan Fox as April O'Neil. We have Will Arnett as her cameraman. Um, we have William Fichtner, who's an actor. I, I mean, I like Warren as well. Yeah. But uh, William Fichtner's in there as uh, Sax, who's this you know businessman who's totally not a bad guy. Under no circumstances would he be a bad guy? When have businessmen ever been bad guys? <laughs> um, and then we have a host of voices for the turtles, which we'll we'll get into. Mm. One of which I do recognize. One of them is uh, Hawk from Titans. That's Raphael. <laughs> Oh yeah, that is him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Johnny Knoxville's Leonardo, which is like one of the weirdest <laughs> miscastings I have seen in quite some time. So uh, Tony Shalhoub's the voice of Splinter, and then randomly Whoopi Goldberg is the editor at the. Whoopi Goldberg is there for all of maybe like three minutes. Yeah, but she's the she's April's boss at Channel Six News. Yeah. So uh, that's the the big names that I I'm aware of anyway that are that are in there. So. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I suppose it's just we'll just ask the question there. I mean, obviously it's the turtles were in New York. Splinter, mm-hmm. uh, Shredder's got the Foot Clan, and uh, the turtles are going to like you know fight back. <laughs> that, that's yeah. the premise. We'll get that in- is literally the first thirty seconds is just Splinter explaining <laughs> everything. So obviously we'll get into the plot proper and spoilers. I think there's a, there's plenty to talk about before we get to plot though. So, yep. David, did you enjoy? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2014. So without getting into spoilers, there's a scene, 
probably like two minutes into this movie where Will Arnett is talking to Megan Fox and he just goes on this really long tangent about, hey, you know, not everything needs to be serious. Sometimes you can just have fluff. Sometimes you could just have fun stuff. You don't need to take everything so seriously all the time. Froth, I believe, was the word Froth. he used, ended up using by the end. Exactly. I felt the director and writer staring me down in that scene. <laughs> they, were, they were right off camera, just giving me dirty looks of like, you know this isn't meant to be taken seriously. And I'm like, I get it. I understand what you're doing. I see it. But by the time we get to the end, do I like it? It is a perfectly by-the-books Hollywood action film. There is absolutely nothing that gives it that extra little, here's the turtles on live action on the big screen. It is just another Hollywood action film that happens to have the turtles. Do I like it? In so much as I like any other Michael Bay sort of action film in that, it's entertaining as soon as you turn your brain off, but it's not a good movie. It's one big great pile of shit, is uh, how I'd put it. All right. It's <laughs> it's, it's trash. It's tra yeah. I, I would like to formally apologize to Turtles 3, because... Oh, wow. <laughs> because next to this, Turtles 3 feels like a masterpiece. There's so much. There's so much. This is a soulless CGI-filled yeah. 2010s blockbuster, and what's so weird for context for everyone in terms of recording, because obviously we're recording mm. this a little bit in advance. But I just earlier this week recorded a review with Tara on the Ace for Transformers. So yeah. it's weird that they've lined up like this because I can make some very vital comparisons between the two, and. Mm. Uh, one thing's just the visual style. It's got this like really crushed blacks kind of high contrast look that it, it, you know it's very much like Transformers in that that sense. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, it's got really dumb jokes that I I do not like. It's got a, a lot of stupid character decisions. There's a lot of weird just dated sexism just like being thrown around. I. It's like when they cast Megan Fox, they did it with the sole intention of like we are going to just make you. A, a body on screen. Yeah. You have no other importance except to be sexy. Yep, and that's pretty much what she was in Transformers as well. I mean, despite mm. the fact that her character actually was the one that potentially had a personality and a yeah. character arc, the, the, the movie just treated her like she was just a sex object. And this movie, at several points, despite the fact that she's supposed to be April O'Neil, it feels that Will Arnett's character just exists so he can perv on her. Uh, and to an extent, Michelangelo as well. Now I'm thinking about it. Like, yeah, no, it, it's it's a repeating thing. I do want to point out that Will Arnett's character, his name is Vernon, who I guess was a character in the cartoon. I, I believe so. Yeah. So at least he's not just an original creation solely for the purpose of perving on her. But I'm assuming the cartoon character was also one of those like, hey, Megan, or hey, Megan, hey, April, <laughs> do you want to go out and like get some food or whatever like that? Yeah. I'm assuming that was what that character was. And it feels weird, though. If you're going to, if you're going to cast like the, the, the camera guy to be someone who is flirtatious with her, it feels mm. weird to cast someone who is like just simply in a different age bracket. Like He's not an ancient man, but he's, yeah. he's a middle-aged guy. And, you know, Megan Fox in 2014, uh, well, not playing teenagers anymore. You know, she's a 20-something young woman. And he's mm. like, you know, 
what, 40-ish, maybe, at this time? I don't I'm, know. I'm looking up dates here. So he <laughs> was born in 1970. She was born in 1986. Yeah, so, th- yeah, different generations, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. comfortably. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but it just it felt a bit weird for him to just casually be hitting on her. I'm like, this is a bit odd, because I I associate, like, I feel like you'd be playing her dad in most, or really not dad, but... Oh, yeah close to no i i would say yeah dad's a little bit of a tight squeeze especially because will arnett does he comes down a little bit younger than he actually is looks he's a, wise he's, he's a wacky guy as well he always yeah. has a sort of jokey character yeah but it is just one of those things in hollywood where you're always going to have older guy younger female it's just how it has constantly been uh, since the yeah. dawn of cinema no you're right and I, I usually complain and sort of roll my eyes about it how consistent it is but it tends to be more that you've got your leading man who's cast because he's the star of the movie and he's the hero and then yeah. they want the young hot love interest and that's how it comes about this feels a little bit weird to me because like she's the lead if anything after mm-hmm. the turtles she's the lead and he's like the comic relief character but he's still the older guy who's trying to hit on her like yeah. i feel like if anything this should be a younger sort of character who feels like he's sort of punching up for lack of a better term like you know someone who's like oh he's a bit in over his head but he's got you know he's he likes the girl whatever uh but instead Someone, he's... somebody like oh i don't know Stephen amell that might be something that comes up at a later point <laughs> oh yeah he's in the second one isn't he yeah. oh no i forgot about that <laughs> oh no oh no the hood the arrow the the vigilante Star Those City. turtles have failed this city, Pete. <laughs> oh, imagine if they actually put that lane in. If they put like a little oh, wink, it's wink. gonna be, it's gonna be there. Oh, it's gotta wink, be there. Nudge. I want it. Raphael, you failed this city. Oh man, <laughs> uh, I think like I, I have many thoughts on this. Like, uh, but the, yes. the, the most, the the biggest the problem with it though is that it is just a poorly directed movie with lots of quick cuts in the action where. You don't get to bask in the action. It moves through too many plot beats too quickly. If there is any good ideas in there for, like, plot beats, and I think there's one or two decent ideas on you know, in a vacuum, uh, mm. but I think, you know, they're, they're kind of just wasted because you don't really care about anything that's going on and you know, the build-up's yeah. not right quite there. Uh, I will say that, like, this movie does some also really generic things by changing or adding stuff to the Turtles lore that just makes it feel, like, very... Just very Hollywood. Like, they have to... Without without getting too much into it, it's the issue of everything has to be connected. Yes, it's the same sort of stuff that happened in like Star Wars, where it's like, oh hey, we've introduced all these new characters, and they can just stand completely on their own. But nope, Ray is actually Palpatine's granddaughter. Joe's you know baffling about it is that they sure. add all these new connections that just sort of make everything feel convoluted because there's all these coincidences because they're mm-hmm. connected. Except the one thing that was connected in classic Turtles lore is no longer connected. And I'm like, yeah. just just have that one. <laughs> the one that was there before. That was the one that worked. Nope. We uh, do so it our got, way. You got that. And then you've got how over-designed everything is. What, to, to, like, yeah. Sh- Shredder in this movie, I let out a laugh when I saw him walking around in that suit. It, it mm. He's like this big clunky thing. Like, He's got more blades than Super Shredder did at the end of Turtles 2. Oh, no. He is just a full armory of knives right now. That and is he, all it is. And he's CG. So so having, he's CG. The Turtles are CG. I mean, that's a big change, obviously, from the classic movies, is that yeah. the Turtles were, were suits and animatronics. Here, mm. they're CG. And I get why a modern movie would switch to CG, even though I don't necessarily prefer it. 
they also have the problem of the design of the turtles are far you know they're bigger they're hulkier and when i talk about things being over designed and go over complicated oh we can't just have them have their colored bandanas or their eye masks to like signify who they are and their weapons we have to add extra little features to make it really clear and the one that i would really like to point out that just shows how dated this movie is in terms of its thinkings and its tropes uh-huh. is that well no one will get it donatello's the nerdy science guy if thank he doesn't you. wear glasses thank you that was that i i honestly was okay with pretty much every other little addition they made but it was the fact that they gave donatello this weird like x-ray spec sort of like head thing like a night vision goggles it's, it's but then not, it's also raised, gave it's raised, him a normal set of glasses it's raised things from ghostbusters it's those yeah those things yeah like i don't necessarily mind a lot like i don't know to me classic turtles they don't need all this extra shit but if you want to accent it a little bit fine but hmm. like so much of it's so over designed and they're so big and hulky i think the voices are all wrong as well like you know they like leonardo in no point feels like he sounds like the leader leonardo yeah Um, i i would say i agree with the choices they made for Raphael, and i'm mostly on board with michelangelo's voice though his script is a little bit of an issue for me but mm. the other two are way off and splinter splinter is a country mile away as well oh for sure yeah and i just you know part of it as well is i just don't like how they look when they're talking in this like i think Mm. the, the mouths look weird they feel weird I think the turtles come off as re- weirdly intimidating. There's a joke early on when they first meet April where Mikey says, like, you know, we'll find you. And then he comes back and goes, and that sounded kind of creepy, but we'll find you though, right? My problem with that joke is that I feel like everything they said in that scene to her sounded creepy and stalkery oh, yeah, no. and threatening. Like, every single thing they said to her sounded like that. So it yeah. just, I don't know, it felt all really off to me. I, yeah. So the movie looks shit in general, just in terms of mm-hmm. the cinematography. Everything is too over-contrasty, crushed blacks. Uh, you know, it's going for that kind of, like, it's broad daylight, but it still feels like it's kind of dark at times. Uh, there's there's one point at the end of this movie, and I mean the very end of this movie, where they introduce a scene on a Dutch angle, and it's like after everything has already happened. Mm-hmm. We are now in the resolution phase, but they introduce this scene with, like, the camera tilted and Megan Fox walking in. I'm like, are you... Are you trying to set me off of ease as we're going into the ending? Because it seems like this should be the point where you have a nice little steady angle. You're just setting up the ending. But no, it's still doing all these weird, what? crazy shots throughout to go with for the no over- discernible reason. To go with the over-design then, yeah, add on over-directed to it as well. Yeah. Where, you know, the director here, like, he is scared of sitting on a shot for longer than two seconds. Like, there's mm-hmm. like, a, like an impulse that it has to cut to another shot. It's not even cutting to the shot. Every single one of these fight scenes, they said, hey, let's go ahead by five years and assume that we can shoot all of these on a drone because it's CGI. So they don't have to keep the camera in any reasonable place. So during all these fight scenes, it's just fast circles around the action, into the action, out of the action. Oh, yeah. There's no way to enjoy a single fight scene in this movie. No, not at all. They're all just CGI puke and mm-hmm. the cgi does not look good that's the other problem it's like i don't like the design of the turtles in this and i definitely don't like the design of splinter but the cgi mm-hmm. on splinter the first time i saw him i was like oh he looks like <laughs> he looks like a really bad cgi character from like a movie from like 10 years prior to this if yeah. not longer than that uh it's almost that scooby-doo thing where when they were making the live action scooby-doo they thought oh, well this is for kids and it's cartoony so 
the dog doesn't have to look real. He can just look like a CG thing. Yeah. And I feel there's a little bit of that logic here with the turtles and splinters. Like, they don't have to look real. They just have to look, you know, fun or something. And they don't look fun. They look monstrous. But <laughs> Yeah. Th- that's the biggest issue, I think, is that I can see where they were going in terms of their design. Because if you really look at the original 90s turtles, mm. they don't look that much in the face like turtles. Like... Turtles don't have, like, the big bulbous nose sort of thing. They don't look like that. So I get where they were trying to design them to look more like what actual turtles would look like if they were mutagened, but there's a reason that they didn't go with that in the initial design, and it's that it's unsettling. Yeah. It's not a thing that people want to see. It's in somewhere in the uncanny valley when, when I talk it just about doesn't sit right. Things not looking realistic, I'm purely meaning that I want to believe that they're in the scene. I want to feel that yeah. they're there. I don't give a shit about the realism of like would this be an actual what a turtle would look like if it mutated into humanoid yeah. form? Like, just give me the turtles. Just give me what they're supposed to look like, please. <laughs> That's yeah. all I want. That's fair. <laughs> um, going back to what you were saying on over designing, though. Yeah, every single one of them has all these extra little doodads and stuff like that, and it just reminds me of since I'm going through and reading ten-year-old comics back when they did the New Fifty Two relaunch, everyone had like mm. the little costume lines. And there was like an an arc in Justice League where Aquaman had a necklace on. And it was like, okay, but as you continue through the story, you're not going to want to keep that stuff. And they're just going to get shed one by one until you get the most simplistic version of it. And the most simplistic version of it is what we were already given. Just the (laughs) bandanas and technically their body shape and size are differing between the turtles to give you more of a feeling of their personality. Yeah, I, I don't mind them having slightly different, you know, yeah, builds. Builds or shapes. Yeah, like that that's fine. Like that's just sort of a natural thing. Um mm. but you know, they've got their colored bandanas and they've got their weapons and honestly, like you know, their voices, the voices are the big thing. Like that's what really makes them feel like each, you know, each other yeah. like um and I I do think that the voices in this I wasn't super into. But I mean, to varying degrees, it depends on which turtle we're talking about, like how off I think they are. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Leo sounding super intimidating felt weird to me. It felt like there was a point where I thought Raph was talking and I was like, oh, it's not Raph. Why did that yeah. sound like Raph? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, does it, it's, it, sometimes they all sound like that and that's kind of like weird. Mikey's the only one who I immediately said that's Mikey. I, I don't love his voice, admittedly, though. His voice mm-hmm. sounds... I don't know. They're, they're, they've tried to like shift from like party guy to more uh, like... I don't know, it sounds like a character in a Michael Bay movie, let's be honest. Yeah, pretty much. That's what it sounds like. That is one thing that changed. Technically, it's a lore thing, but because of how this movie was made, when it was made, it's Mm. 2014. For them to still be turtles, teenage turtles, mind you, they had to grow up in the late 90s. Mm. So there is a whole subplot here where they weren't coming up on like 80s sort of stuff and uh, therefore they have just a different feel to them it feels like they were more raised on grunge and hip-hop than they were the 80s like cowabunga sort of stuff you know that's an interesting point that's the sort of thing though where i'd be like yeah again for the realism sake you say okay technically they have to grow up during this time period so what are their influences mm-hmm. i would say it doesn't really matter in the long run though like ultimately Oh, no. The the turtles were created of their time. And it's the sort of thing where, you know, with comics, like, do do we ever have to, like, have Magneto Mm -hmm. not be someone who survived the Holocaust? Like, you know, like, 
it's like, no, that's such a key part of his career. Like, we do something else to make it work, right? You know, we stretch the fact that he just keeps living long enough, time bubbles, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But you just mm-hmm. go, and I think with the turtles, I don't think you need an explanation. Like, especially since they're growing up in the sewers, just say that, you know, they, they found a box of tapes and it was all 80s stuff. It doesn't matter when I mean, it's set, you know? Yes, but we also get an explicit scene of them coming, like, hold a mirror out of the sewer just so they could watch Hollaback Girl oh, by yeah. Gwen Stefani. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying, is that they explicitly go out of their way to say they are raised on this. I'm just saying, in a broad sense, just don't do that scene. Oh, <laughs> right? yeah, no, clearly. Yeah. I just mean, have you say le- that about any scene in this movie. Yeah, just have them learn from older things that are mm. in the sewers because it's trash, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'd be okay with that. It's, it's straightforward enough, but... Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I mean, it's... Yeah, you know, and it has a lot of general movie problems. It's not like it's not like it's a bad ad- adaptation of Turtles or it's just a crappy new version of Turtles. It's also just bad in terms of general movies. It's, mm-hmm. you know, rushed plots, it's weak, thin villains who have really, like, old-school moments where they just over-explain what they're doing at times in ways that feel super unnatural. I know um, what scene you're talking about, and that scene genuinely gave me a headache. <laughs> just trying to be like, oh, we're just doing that now? All right, cool. Yeah, and then the other thing that really bugged me, that's just specifically about April, so she's got this thing where she sees like some stuff early on, and mm. she goes to Whoopi Goldberg, her editor, to say, hey, I saw a vigilante, and blah, 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 blah. And then she sees some more stuff, and she comes back and says, no, there's four of them, and they're turtles. Right? I really dislike this April O'Neil. Not because I mean I, I I mean Megan Fox is is it's not necessarily a great actress. She's not a bad actress. No. I think she's fine and in the right role. But mm. in this movie, she's written in such a way that they they just want the joke of everyone thinking she's crazy. If she was a sensible written character, and if you take the person as sensible, if I saw four turtles and had no proof, mm-hmm. I wouldn't start ranting and raving that I saw four turtles. I would say I saw something and I need to look for you. Know, I would try and offer something that sounds tangible, that you know, it sounds real, just yeah. enough to, so that they'll let me go and investigate it further. But no, she has to just yell out everything that sounds crazy and she looks like a lunatic. And you can't blame Whoopi Goldberg or any other character who looks at her like she's a psychopath because it does sound ridiculous. Yeah. She has no evidence of anything. I mean, the movie tries to deal with that in that they specifically have her start off with that. It's like, I saw some vigilantes and I did this. And then Whoopi Goldberg, of course, asked the one question that she doesn't have an answer to, which is, what did they look like? And it's like, okay, well, if we're just going to ask this question right away, they're turtles. And at that point, it's like, okay, well, maybe April just say, just lie. Just say you didn't see them. Just say they were in shadow. Just say they were were covered in hoods. Yeah, they were tall, bulky. (laughs) Tall, uh, bulky, and had some, like old Japanese weaponry. You could even say yeah. that part. That sounds like it could be plausible. But then the moment you throw out there, it's like they were six foot tall talking turtles. I am completely on Whoopi Goldberg's side. Absolutely. So just, it's like, basically by choosing not to hold back because she, mm-hmm. it'll sound unbelievable. She looks like an idiot. Right. That- and I, I guess they could be going for a sort of thing of like, she's, you know, really pushing for the truth. She doesn't feel like she should have to lie for her story or whatever, but I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's coming across that way. It just comes across like she's an idiot. Yeah, yeah. So you've got that problem. Uh, another change that's just robbing things of its of its identity is the Foot Clan are just a SWAT team. Yeah, they're just paramilitary. That really, what? like, it threw me for a loop when they just were like, all right, entrance doors now. And I'm like, um, you want to come down from the rafters? You want to you wanna do some kung fu? You want to do literally anything? <laughs> 
and then and then you also have the fact that Shredder feels like he feels more like the muscle for the real villain uh, to, to yeah. an extent rather than the, the villain himself but that's not, I mean, we'll get into that more in spoilers yeah there's it, a whole thing yeah it, it, so there's just there's so much of it that, and that you can definitely compare it in parts to like the original movie in the sense that okay so you know april gets a glimpse of something but doesn't quite see them so like, mm. you know, it hides the turtles for a little bit and then she eventually does see them. You know, there's definitely some things you can sort of like line up and sort of compare like how does that movie yeah. do it how does this movie do it and every single time i compared the two of them in my head like this one was <laughs> was falling short but yeah. quite be quite a margin uh so i you know it, it, there's no favors for it and it, it's <sighs> It's like all the advancements in, in technology and everything that, that that's happened since 1990 and all the, the ways that you could make a better Turtles movie, because I believe you could. Mm-hmm. Um, it's instead going for the lowest common denominator and you know it's given to a director who can just farm out something that'll tick some boxes to, to release rather than, you know, like I'm not saying that you have to go out there and make the Dark Knight when you're doing your Turtles movie. I'm simply right. saying that you can still take it somewhat seriously and try and make it good you know it can work for kids and still be good that's best of both worlds that way you get the kids liking it and you get the mid-30s 40s collectors who grew up in turtles also wanting to buy all your merchandise like yeah that's that's your your sweet spot i mean they i can see them attempting to do that because the way that they always appeal to the 30 year olds who were growing up with the turtles is that they just include callbacks they mm. just say hey remember this thing and they do that consistently throughout this movie but it seems like they always play it as remember this thing wasn't that so dumb yeah yeah rather than remember this thing we know you enjoyed it kind of like in the first transformers when uh, we <laughs> see bumblebee at the the used car place and the car that bumblebee was originally the little beetle car is next to it and they mock that car and say yeah. no, I want this one. This is a sexy car. That 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 little beetle car. That's for that's for virgins. That, that that's for losers who collect <laughs> robot toys. God, screw them. I know it's 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 there's a really kind of juvenile, mean spirited attitude to like beige Transformers movies, and I think some of that translates into this. Not all of it, but it, it, yeah. I think some of it is in there. So, yeah. I guess we'll say spoilers so we can talk about it uh, in depth. There's much to say, I think. Yeah, I mean, do we just want to straight up open with the changed lore? Because it is the biggest part of the movie. I really. Joe, Joe what's so funny is that I remember when it came up, I was like, oh yeah, I remember like hearing about this and sort of rolling my eyes when I heard about mm-hmm. it in 2014. Um, so there's there's a several things that have changed. The big thing. So so just to recap, right? So yes. classic turtles lore at least from the original movie, is that uh, uh, Splinter was a rat who was, like, a pet of uh, a... Yoshi. Yeah, Yoshi. Yeah, I was going to say Samurai. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, a a martial arts master, and he Mm -hmm. learned all his stuff from this guy. um, And then uh, Shredder, of course, was his enemy and killed his master. Splinter ended up uh, with the turtles, and they use, you know, hit the turtles in Splinter. They grew up, and he took them in as his four sons and trained them. And, you know, that's the, the broad stroke of it. Slight difference yep. in the modern comics is that uh, Splinter uh, is actually a reincarnation of a, of a Japanese man from feudal times who had lost four sons. But likewise, Shredder in that past time was his nemesis and killed his sons. And, you know, so you had that bit of backstory. So mm-hmm. that's gone. There's no connection between Splinter and Shredder in this new movie, right? Yeah. It's that, just gone. That 
honest to God, that was the part that, like, there's a lot of stuff that throws you for a loop in the lore, which we're about mm-hmm. to get to. That's the one that threw me for the biggest loop. That Splinter, going into the sewers, knew absolutely no kung fu. Yes, yes. Yes, he learns it from a... Because I was thinking that, like, well, how did he teach them all this all this karate and shit then? Yeah. And he literally finds a book saying, The Art of Ninjutsu. And that's a lot of good learning from just reading the book without anyone to I, show you anything. I fully wanted it to be, like, a joke where it was, like, he learns from this book and he just learns it wrong. Like, it's just <laughs> like, oh, I don't... I'm a rat. I don't know what this is supposed to mean. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's just the tip of the iceberg here. So... Mm-hmm. There's a big reveal here that April's dad worked in a lab with Sax, William Fickner's character, and Mm. they were developing stuff as a kid. And when she hears the turtles' names early on, she's like, wait a minute, Leonardo, Raphael, that sounds familiar. And I thought in the moment, oh, she's going to whip out like a Renaissance book or something. Yes, thank you. And be like, yeah, those those are painters. And no, 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 she finds... Like, old stuff from her childhood, including... Uh, she's always wanted to be a reporter, so she used to like, have her little, you know, DV camera, and she yeah. would be recording herself, like, around her dad's lab. It turns out that her dad was working on mutagens and shit, and mm-hmm. the four turtles and Splinter, the rat, were all in the lab. They were all there. And my favorite part of this, that, that I hate, but my favorite part of this <laughs> is that even as little turtles, they all had, like, dots of color on their shells to signify mm. which one was which, and I'm like, <laughs> like, okay, I get that someone's going to explain this as, well, they're color-coded because they're in a lab and they need to know which one's which easy, yeah. but it still made me roll my eyes. Like, it's just, like... Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, it just it made me roll my eyes. Can I, can, I, can I get the part that got me? Go on. This is a lab. This is a lab that deals with actual diseases and crap like that. And this dude's letting his 10-year-old daughter run around and feed pizza to the turtles. The test subject. Just (laughs) introducing this wild-ass variable into the equation. (laughs) That's why they like pizza. Because little kid April was feeding them pizza in their tank. Mm -hmm. My favorite part. I've already said that. And I'm saying favorite part, and when I say favorite part, I mean part I really hate. My soul dies a little bit oh, inside yeah. when I say it. Uh-huh. April named them. April named yeah. the turtles in this version. And these are like pets she had kind of because she visited them in the lab as a child. Mm-hmm. So she has this childhood connection to the four turtles and to Splinter. Yep. This is so much unnecessary. Like, why can't they just be April and form a friendship? Why does everyone have to be secretly connected to the past and her father was connected to the villain who's going to try uh, and but, kill everyone? Blah, blah, blah. But what you what you didn't know and what will be revealed next movie is that Baxter Stockman is actually her godfather. Oh, God. Don't even start. Don't and that Krang was her pet dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, th- this scene where she's looking at this footage was like the moment where I just sort of sank in my chair and went yeah you know, and this I- is I have it marked down this was exactly 25 minutes into the movie we are still very firmly in the first act yeah. and we're getting this huge lore dump I just I, 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 I sank in my chair and I thought you know what I, obviously I wasn't enjoying it before then because I hate how the turtles look and I don't like how they sound and all the other problems and it's, it's shot horribly it's, like it's a bad movie anyway but yeah. from a from a fan of the the property perspective, this was the moment where I just sort of sank in my chair and went, "Oh, f you, movie, yeah, <laughs> f you." 
<laughs> I mean, it's really the same sort of thing in like video game movies where mm. you get to a certain point in the movie where they're about to do something lore related and then the director, the writer, whoever reveals, this is how we changed it. And you're just like, oh, all right, well, sure, do whatever. Yeah, it's just, if everything just feels really generically Hollywood. All, all these changes just feel like it turns it into a typical by the the you know the the the, the blueprint the how to mm. write a screenplay you have to have them all connected in their past and there's a reason why these rules exist but because they're overused and the the story worked fine as it was like yeah. you you can just have them meet april and form a friendship and it's kind of special because it, to me it actually means more because we see how it blossoms and how they become friends and how they'll be bonded for life because of the events that we see th- play throughout in the story. Mm-hmm. By just trying to take a shortcut by saying they're already connected and have this like thing from their past, it's, it, it is a shortcut. It's literally a shortcut to try and make it feel like they're more connected already and that the bond's already there. But mm-hmm. it feels phony because you're just trying to tell me it's there rather and show me it form over the course of the story. Yeah. And, you know, I, I always complain when they do this uh, and anything. You know, comics can be really guilty of it, you know, whenever anyone, oh, Bruce Wayne met a lot of people right before he became Batman. <laughs> you know, comics are very guilty of it, but this 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 was a, a firm example of that. And, you know... Uh, yeah, it would be as if in the movie they were just like, okay, we, we have an opening scene of the turtles not getting well along together. They are mm. completely not a team. And then we're just told that, oh, yes, we had a team meeting and we all really came together <laughs> and now we're able to perfectly function. It's like, okay, but can I see it? Can yeah. we just go through that arc? What? what why, why is the most interesting part not in it? Yeah. <laughs> That's the interesting part of the character arc. Yeah. And- Next movie's just going to open up with April being like, and here's my boyfriend, Casey Jones. We've known each other for a long time. <laughs> yeah, and... That's that's the uh, the thing to go back to Splinter and Shredder not being connected is that when Shredder shows up in the sewer to like confront them, uh, mm-hmm. Splinter's like Shredder, and I'm just like this this isn't that this isn't that big of a deal because you don't have any personal you didn't kill your master in this version yeah, so what Shredder we meet for the final time for the first time <laughs> like why 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 should this feel like a big face off moment because like Shredder barely even knows you exist splinter yeah. <laughs> if he does exactly. if, if which, at all <gasps> which i guess i'm just gonna throw this out here now um originally in this movie and this has been confirmed the character of eric Sachs mm-hmm. was going to be shredder do you know what see as soon as he because we introduced him right and we'd already mm-hmm. seen like uh someone who was supposed to be shredder you know it's a bald japanese guy in a dojo yep. right um, and we saw Fickner, and I kind of like vaguely remembered, wait a minute, wasn't there something to do with Fickner being Shredder? And I thought, mm-hmm. oh god, is he going to like take the suit over when this guy dies, or yeah. is it going to be like a he's revealed to be the real Shredder all along? Because it was when he's um he's talking to April, and he's saying, no, mm-hmm. I grew up in Japan in a military base. He literally, he literally has an entire like Japanese mural on his wall, along oh. with samurai swords, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you're not Shredder. Okay, just wanted to be clear, you're not <laughs> yeah, Shredder. Yeah, I, I, at that point, I thought it was going to end up him being Shredder. Instead, mm-hmm. he's kind of just the human villain for April and uh, Will Arnett to take care of, Yeah, uh, whilst the turtles are, t- are fighting Shredder. Uh, mm-hmm. Shredder, by the way, huge and bulky, blades everywhere. He fires knives that are then magnetized to come back to him. 
which I'm, I'm okay with you just adding in those extra things. If you're going to go ahead and change stuff, whatever, it makes it a bit more menacing. What I'm not okay with is the fact that because they didn't make Eric Sachs Shredder, they put this 90-year-old bald guy in this suit <laughs> and said, yep, this will allow you to do kung fu. Well, I think that's my problem with it, is that, well, one, the design just looks bulky, and it feels like oh, it, yeah. it doesn't look like it can move around properly, so it's not, it's, it's kind of that, like, old-school, like, can't-turn-your-head Batman bat suit, where yeah. I don't believe you can do ninjutsu in this. Like, it no, just doesn't work. There is, there's absolutely no way that they could ever do Super Shredder with this, because he's already, no. <laughs> he is Super Shredder. And that's the other thing is that he's just firing knives at people uh, and swinging. He's I don't really feel like he's doing any. Whereas Shredder, in the original movie and the cartoon, or, or well, maybe not cartoons, a bit of a weird comparison because it's cartoon. Yeah. But mm -hmm. like, you know, I I don't feel like he's this fighting master that is a formidable foe. I feel like he's formidable because he has a clunky Iron Man suit that's firing knives at people. Uh, yeah. It kind of robs him of the the gravitas that Shredder's supposed to like carry with him. Um, and he's barely yeah, a he... character because because Sax is the real villain, so mm -hmm. he's just yeah, no, the muscle. This, when it comes down to the Shredder, there was a moment, pretty much right after he's introduced, where you know he's beating the ever loving crap out of Splinter. He's just going crazy with it, and mind you, he has like Wolverine claws in that they retract and come back in and all mm. the time. So he's threatening Splinter. He says that these turtles, because we haven't even basically touched on the whole plot, is that. The thing they were trying to do was basically the plot for the V for Vendetta movie. They were going to introduce a virus, this mutagen, into New York City and then sell the cure later on. And they'd be quazillionaires. So even, even though Wells, William Sachs, uh, Eric Sachs, played by William Fickner, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, even though he's clearly already filthy rich because he has a tower in New York City, but he's yep. not rich enough. He wants more money. <laughs> yep. But so the entire reason that, you know, April's dad burned down the lab and April got the turtles out is because he realized how evil Sax was and he was doing bad things. So now that they know the turtles exist, they're able to get their research back by using their blood to get what is essentially the cure. In their blood is the cure and they already have the disease. So they're trying to fight Splinter and all the other turtles. And Shredder has Splinter one-on-one. -on -one. He also has the mutagen in him. But in the end, the result is he holds up Splinter, knives out from his fist, then retracts them and just punches him in the stomach. And then just leaves him there. And I'm like, okay, but like, why? You are this menacing threat, supposedly, and you just punched an old rat in the stomach that also has the thing you need and then took the three other turtles that yeah, were there. Yeah, I don't understand why he didn't also take Splinter, because he he clearly also has the same stuff in him. Like, yeah. you know, he's he's walking and talking. What's more proof do you need? <laughs> if anything, he's more of a success story, because he's the one that managed to gain intelligence without someone else teaching him it. Yes, yes, yes. He's a... Yeah, well, that's the thing. Uh, Splinter, when he's talking to April and explaining the backstory, says that he saw how April's father was a father to her. And that made him want to be a father to the turtles, and I'm like, piss off, movie, <laughs> piss <laughs> off. Oh god, I mean, do we want to even try to do this beat by beat anymore? Or we just want to hit on the big. Well, I, well, I just want to point out that there's actually someone in the credits listed as Baxter Stockman. I saw that, and I I have to assume it's a deleted scene, or he was somewhere in the lab 
that we just didn't know. It was just a guy in the lab, yeah, who had no lanes yeah. or barely any lanes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he certainly wasn't treated like a character. Char- yeah, character. It's a, it's a good word for it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, uh, I mean, is the the big thing early on is that uh, this is part of the movie feeling rushed. Is that mm-hmm. we we saw kind of like the original movie. April sort of witnesses like some foot. And then someone beats the foot up, and it's clearly Raph, you know, much like the original mm-hmm. movie. Uh, and he leaves like a calling card behind where he like paints a Japanese he, symbol. Yeah, I was going to say their thing. Apparently, anytime they save anyone, is they paint some Japanese graffiti tags. Yep. And I'm like, okay, yep, that's a good job of staying which, hidden, guys. Which, because it was such a dark scene, and the movie's just dark in general, I thought it was like painted in blood, and I thought that's a bit violent. <laughs> okay, this is such a minor thing, but it really messed with me in this movie. So. Windows paid money. Windows paid some hard cash in this movie because April has a Windows phone and they mm. use a Windows 8 PC to do all their computer oh, stuff. The, the horror. How, however, however, and this is something I really can't understand why they're paying money into this. April's phone refuses to record video in low light. When she's taking a picture of the graffiti tag and she switches it from landscape to portrait mode you can see on the phone it flips to her face cam like she's not even taking pictures of the wall anymore (laughs) and then when she gets on her pc she's on it for maybe i don't know seven seconds before donatello hacks into it and says hey meet us wherever so her phone is completely non-functioning and her computer is easily hacked why is windows paying for this spot I don't know. Toshiba paid some money too. I noticed. Piece of hot. Piece. I got the piece of deal. Yes, they did. I that was all the piece as of. As soon boxes, as I saw that, I'm like, hey, they finally got in on it. Good job, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so no, the thing I was getting to is that so April sees like kind of Raph in the distance and photographs mm-hmm. the thing. After this, is where we're introduced to Shredder, and he's like, wait, it's, you know, some vigilantes uh, or shipment uh, of chemicals or whatever, like find this vigilante attack attack civilians to draw them out they'll come for them and i'm like Mm. this feels like a lot of leaps like all that's happened so far is like one like batch of guys have been taken out at a shipment and you already think that just like going after some civilians will draw them out or draw what you might think is just one guy out yeah i I don't know it just it felt like a weird leap because almost the next couple of scenes we're already at the point where april stumbles into what they're doing which is they've got like a subway like stop all platform sort of, yeah. yeah they've t- taken it over with gunpoint um and i thought it was going to be a much bigger scene but it's actually just like a really quick like you know blinking you'll miss it kind of like the turtles obviously beat up some of the guys in, in the dark and then mm-hmm. april climbs to the roof because she sort of thinks that's where they've went and you know, so uh, two things worth mentioning. One more character we kind of glossed over who's barely a character is Karai. Who is uh, from the comics? Yes. Um, But she is basically used as the second in command of the foot Mm -hmm. right up until they do the reveal of Eric socks being the actual second in command. So she, I feel like she only exists solely because they were like, we really want to do this twist, but we also, have to have somebody as the leader in the yeah. meantime. So she was kind of just shunted off to the side as soon as uh, Fichtner got his reveal. Yeah, she's still and, around, but yeah. I mean, at the very yeah. least, she has a character from the comics, so I, I, at least they, like, 
but at least they're ruining things we already love <laughs> but i'll put it this way at least when i saw saw her with the foot i was like okay i know who that is like you know the, the, this is a character in the comics I, I, at least the, it's it's someone who makes sense rather than i don't know i was good i mean she hasn't she wasn't in any of the previous three movies i think so no. this was a new character to me as was vernon actually so um but the one thing that got me in this scene is the whole reason that april knows where to go she's running into the screaming crowd she's going to see where people are running from and it's because the foot have taken an entire subway platform hostage but the later on the turtles arrive while a train is just flying by that platform oh yeah they throw one of the the soldiers one of the foot clan into the moving train yeah no first they murder they murder a lot in this movie um but the part that got me is the fact that this entire thing must have been happening for at least like 10 minutes minimum of they have started taking hostages and people are aware enough to run away they never stopped the trains in that time it must have been a little bit longer than that actually because it cuts the turtles still on their base and like donnie's like hey this is going on at the subway station like and then yeah so, so we hear them decide to go and help so i mean i mean maybe they're close by but <laughs> i guess i mean subways and sewers practically hand in hand but yeah no it just seemed weird to me that like they were able to arrive by train because i would figure the first thing would be hey let's not send any more people into the hostage situation Mm. that's a very good idea well i mean it wasn't stopping at least yeah i, I, guess, I imagine but... it made its regular stop at that platform <laughs> it's just, all right everybody <laughs> off uh... uh can we get off for the next one please yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh but actually that, this all reminds me for some reason uh one of the over designed elements is just a bit silly is uh mm. michelangelo's skateboard has rockets on it <sighs> I actually wasn't sure if it did at first, and then the movie went out of its way to confirm it like four extra times. Yes, yes. I, I, I wouldn't be so opposed to it if it wasn't for the fact that they're doing a part where he's riding it down the sewers, and all the other turtles who are just running are keeping up with him, which makes it <laughs> extra pointless. Yep, yep, pretty much. Yep, yeah, yeah, um, that's 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 that, that's a big. Also, uh, Donatello's bow staff is no longer just the normal bow staff. It is like a rocket-powered, extendable one. Yeah, it's retra- retractable. It's very strong too, because at one point I was going to say he flips a truck by just sort of putting the, the staff in front of the truck and then sort of like, you know, vaulting it into yep. a rock. Yeah. So, um, um it's not April's actually, held hostage. It, yeah, April's held hostage. Uh, well, she ends up in trouble because when when they, they tell Splinter about what happened, which. For the record, Splinter comes across like a militant douchebag uh, when we first. Oh my god! You know, it, also, he does this thing in this movie where he's whipping people around with his tail. Like he, 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 he throws the turtles around with his tail. He also does it April at one point. Although it's mm-hmm. to save her, he's moving her out the way or something. But you know, yeah, uh, he's very strong with his tail. Um, mm-hmm. But he basically he catches them sneaking in after they've went out to save people, and he's demanding to know where they've been, and. Mm-hmm his method of doing this is that they're all sort of doing like sort of tough like uh poses where they're having to hold like you know one's a handstand one's like balancing on something whatever and they're all they're all being strong they're all not refusing to tell them what they they did and where they went and then splinter whips out a pizza not just any pizza yes the 99 cheese pizza and basically makes michelangelo talk by just having pizza come close to his head 
He was mm-hmm. like, oh, smell it, Michelangelo. So Mikey uh, confesses up everything. And immediately when he hears April O'Neil, he's like, oh, she's in danger now. Go go get her mm-hmm. now. Like, go, go, go and save her. Uh, so, yeah. Which I think we skipped over briefly is that, yeah, we followed him up to the rooftop and then she took a picture of him and they intimidated her very effectively. Yes, with the uh, the... Like, I don't think I'd hate this joke if I liked these versions of the Turtles, but, you know, Raph tried to intimidate her and then someone else go and he's doing his Batman voice. Yeah. Like, that's actually potentially quite funny, but, you know, mm-hmm. everything else around is not, so... <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so, you know, we we get I, the scene where Splinter explains everything to her, and we get the montage yeah, of them well, they, going up. they particularly hack into her computer and say, hey, you're gonna meet us here, and then we're gonna bring you to our base, and then... With a sack over her head with a sack over her head which again very intimidating very <laughs> like i feel like these turtles in a slightly different timeline would murder april o'neill uh well michelangelo's borderline incel with her to be honest the, the various oh, points borderline jesus <laughs> if he if she ever turns him down outright i feel like there's going to be some issues <laughs> i mean how the movie even ends on a joke about it it's like him mm-hmm. singing uh I can't her. remember what song it was. Uh, it was a classic love song. Yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah. That uh, honestly, I was I I watched this movie maybe like three hours ago. And then, you know, it ended. It was a two hour long movie. I went, I took a shower. I got ready to uh, sit down and record this. And as I was in the shower, I'm like, I'm already forgetting things about this movie. No, I, I, that's the thing. Like, I, I was just like, until you said it there, I'd forgotten that they like went and picked her up with a sack over her head. It wasn't until you said that they hacked and told her to meet, meet them. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that happened. Right. Yeah, because uh, after that, like they're in the sewers, and then because when Fickner gave her a key card, that, this was something else that felt really rushed to me. Is that he when she tells him what she knows, and he's like, "Oh, that's amazing. We can complete our work in finding a cure." Obviously, at mm-hmm. this point, he's he's saying it's a cure for everything. What it's actually a cure for is the thing that he's going to release in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> but he gives her a key card saying, "Hey, you've got full access to my plate. You know, my my work building and all that." Uh, but mm-hmm. it turns out he's only given it to her so he can track her. And he even says to the Shredder, and she will be the one who will lead us right to them. And I'm like, why do you assume that she's going to like go and see them? Like, she only even sees them because the turtles go out of their way to go yeah. and get her and bring her to them. Like, you're putting a lot of trust in her journalistic ability to find the turtles in the first place, I felt like. And it happened. Yeah, and even, that, so even then, she wasn't the one who found them. They were the ones who wanted to contact her. She did yeah. nothing. In this, she was a very passive protagonist throughout this movie. Just uh, there was a lot of assumptions from the villains as this movie went on, which they were all correct in the sense that they, they all make sense that they would happen in the movie. But the mm-hmm. movie like sort of was rushing through them so quick that they all felt like they were leaping ahead a step, you know? Yes. So that that was like a constant thing. So yeah, Shredder and his big stupid clunky suit from the end of the Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> that's what oh it god, me of. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. that's what, that's really what it reminded me of. Shows up, fights Splinter. Raph gets knocked out in this fight under some rubble, so it's only the other three turtles who get taken. So can you tell me what even happened during the scene? Because it was Leonardo saying, go to the fan room, and then I swear the next time we saw Raphael, he was just under rubble. No. (laughs) I'll be be completely honest. Like, my attention wandered a bit during the action scenes because they were just yeah. cutting they were quickly cutting around so much that i definitely missed some moments and i don't feel bad about it one bit to be honest that's um, fair so 
Um, but he's the, they get the other three turtles. They also put down their weapons. And this is actually the part where, like, in a better movie, I would actually really like this plot beat, which is the plot beat that three of the turtles are kidnapped and Raph, like, picks up all of the other turtles' weapons so he has all of their weapons on his own. Like, mm-hmm. if, you, if you pitch to me a story where the other three turtles get kidnapped and the one turtle who's usually the one that sort of, like, goes off on his own and leaves them behind... Yeah has to go and save them on his own like a badass and like goes in with all of their weapons and tries to hold them up like hold off the bad guys while some you know april and whoever frees them i would mm-hmm. say that's a great idea that's a great plot idea that's yeah. that's you know it makes me think of uh another 90s thing but uh the power rangers like two-parter where uh, all the power rangers lose their powers except tommy so the green oh, ranger yeah. on his own has to like save all their power coins like mm-hmm. it, that's what it makes me think of and i'm like oh this could actually be a really cool plot idea oh obviously because of the fight scenes all sucking, because of it mm. rushing to this, and because we've barely had time to really even care about their like friendship as brothers, it well, never really, you know, it never really felt that like a big deal. That that's the part I wanted your opinion on. This is also the scene where they decide to do the whole emotional gut punch, or at least what they're hoping will be, mm-hmm. of Splinter. The all the other turtles start rushing to help Splinter in his fight against Shredder, and he pulls a lever that basically ropes them all off. They can't help him during the fight. And as such, there's this whole emotional moment where the three turtles are like trying to lift the gate in order to get to Splinter, and they they start off calling him Sensei, but then as they realize like, oh, this is actually pretty dire, they switch over to calling him Dad. Like, did this do anything for you at all? No. Which okay, well, which is particularly notable because you know, in the first movie when they're sitting around the fireplace and they're getting teary eyed, like mm-hmm. it hits, you know, it works in the movie. Yeah. Um, that's fair. They, they feel even though this one tries to do the whole oh he's been a stern dad who's mad at them for sneaking out this one never actually achieves the feeling that they're a family unit i don't think yeah it's it's more of telling and not showing yeah so because of that it, i don't think any of it lands and i think you need a little bit more with the turtles i, I feel like we're at the point where turtles are kidnapped and raf's like going to have to go like save his brother's that's a fine yeah. plot idea but we get to that point before we've really had a chance to spend that much time with them honestly Mm-hmm. So, like, it's maybe a better plot idea for a second movie rather than a first movie. Yeah, I mean, you, you I can, guess I you can do it in one. Like, if if you actually devoted oh, yeah. the time to setting them up properly, you could do it in the first movie absolutely. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like you know, to to make it easier, you could just do it in the second movie when you've already had a story with them, and you know, it right, would right. it would work. Yeah, I I guess I just can't see what the replacement plot would be if they didn't do this like it seems like this was always the course that they wanted to take oh sure I, yeah like and I, I do think the idea itself is fine like i i, I you know mm-hmm. I, I, yeah i would get behind raph and i'd want to root for him and it'd maybe be quite emotional see you know seeing the one who usually fights the rest of them like fighting for them you know that that could that could work that could have a lot I, of i guess the biggest it. issue i felt with it is that it didn't feel like it went far enough in either direction it didn't feel like splinter and the turtles felt enough like a family unit but it also mm-hmm. didn't feel like Raphael was separated enough no no they, they, they kind of like it's that thing where there's a couple of lines especially towards the end where he kind of like brings up that he's like that but mm-hmm. we never see it before then yeah. he has he has one scene early on where he says he's going to go off and do his own thing soon but we never actually see him go do his own thing yeah and leo immediately shuts him down just like he's not gonna do that just don't worry about it yeah so it's, it's that thing where it kind of just glosses over stuff that would actually set up some of the dy- dynamics to make these later scenes actually work and pay off right so 
that's kind of a shame. But yeah, uh, April's still there with him, and uh, she calls uh, Vern to come pick them up in the Channel Six news van. Uh, and he's like, "Oh, she's into me. She loves me." Um, which I'll just skip ahead to it now. But there's the big action scene going down the side of the the, the mountain, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we'll get we'll get that. We'll get into the whole scene in a bit. I know, I know. I just I, I really I really want to point out this is Manhattan. Where is there <laughs> a mile high mountain with snow peaks <laughs> right outside of Manhattan? I just it it pissed me off for the entire <laughs> segment. They went. They drove a lot further north than you thought. Okay, they literally said they were less than thirty miles away. <laughs> they did actually. They said that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, there's a moment in the middle of it though where April's trying to film stuff and she sort of like like sticks her head out of the 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 window and the oh, side door. God. And yeah. so Will Arnett looks over and it's just like a shot of her ass in the air. <laughs> and he 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 responds to this by going, "Yeah, that's good, April. Get everything on camera." And I'm like. This <laughs> people. This is the weird thing. Is that not not so much in twenty fourteen per se, but this you know, this is the sort of movie where you you get the concerned parents who are like, oh, we can't have the the turtles using weapons and nunchucks. Yep. Like that's 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 we can't have our kids watching that. I'm like, no, this is the most harmful thing to the young minds of the whole movie. Oh, is this attitude? It's this. She's just there because look at that sweet ass. That's yes. the, that's the the biggest problem. And I would be more okay with that moment if there were any sort of character growth on Will Arnett's character no. side, but there isn't. He's the same guy the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even say April has an arc either. No. She, like I said, she's a very passive protagonist. Things just happen around her, and it's only at the very, very end of the movie that theoretically she chooses to do something, but it still felt like it was forced upon her because the alternative probably would have been she dies. Well, the, the weird thing about it is that she, she sort of jumps in to help a few times, but the big thing at the very end is that the, the turtles thank her for saying, hey, you kept her secret when you would benefit from not doing it. And that's a fine idea, but like they never established before that she would... You know, I feel like the movie had to set up that she had that choice, and then... Yeah. So that would be a payoff that, oh, we find out she chose not to, you know use you know not to use them for her own gain to yeah whoopi whoopi goldberg shows up at the end says hey i saw you were at the final climactic battle what did you see and she goes not really much of anything yeah bye that's all we needed i would love this movie if it did a pivot where it's like hey man thanks for keeping our secret and she's like oh i published that two hours ago <laughs> no you're right like her her just like choosing to not tell whoopi goldberg to get her job back would have been all you need just mm -hmm. that moment and that would have sold it but they don't, so... No. Um, I got a lot of problems with the ending of this movie. Well, yeah, we're just, we're getting into, we have to yeah. get to all the mountain stuff first, so... Yep, God. Uh, Which actually, so, yeah, like, so basically, Raph, April, and Vern, you know, crash uh, well, uh, William Fickner's house, and mm. the turtles are all in these tanks and getting their blood drained. Of course, this is right after uh, William Fickner decided to explain his old plan to them, just because he wanted to gloat about it. The only thing that I could think is that he was literally so impressed with his own handiwork. Because he that's the way he sells it in the scene, is that the turtles are all there, and he's like, oh my god, look at you. You're beautiful. This is fantastic. This is my life's work. And then, like, Leo starts talking. He's like, oh my god, you can talk too. You know what? I'm just going to tell you everything. I love you guys. You're great. <laughs> You're also dead, though, because I need your blood. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. How many, how many pints would you say you have in you? Because I'm going to get exactly that much. Yeah. 
Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of, like, you know, turning their backs to, like, you know, for the bulletproof. Although, at one point, it's pretty clear that Raph's bulletproof in the front as well anyway, so it doesn't seem to matter that yeah. much. But, because that's actually a fun idea that the shells are bulletproof, so they can, you know, if they maneuver a certain way, they can deal with gunfire, but... Which, prior to this scene, they established that Shredder was attacking Raph, and he got his shell cracked. Mm-hmm. So... I understand that bulletproof is different than not being able to be crushed, but it does make me wonder, like, is Raph really all that strong in this moment? Because he's talking about how his shell got cracked. It's not... It's not completely sealed off there anymore. Yeah, it's kind of funny that Raph's the one who gets the big, like, sort of one-on-one fight with Shredder and kind of holds his... You know, to a point, like, obviously he's not winning by the end, but he, yeah, he kind of is able to hold him off for a bit, and uh, the other turtles end up helping him out when April... Luckily... You know, because they're all sort of passing out from the blood loss, and mm-hmm. uh, April's like, what do I do, Donnie? What do I do? And he's like, adrenaline. And then luckily for April, there's a big button on the computer <laughs> screen that says, adrenaline. <laughs> God, that was, as soon as I saw that there, I was like, okay, that's pretty stupid. But what I was expecting was her to just, like, push the big red button, and then the scene happens where they all start waking up. Instead, she pushes it, like, 95 times to the point where the screen is saying they're about to overdose. <laughs> and then they start waking up. And I was like, oh, April, you could probably kill them. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't press that button so much. I also don't understand why the system that's been set up just to drain them of blood even has, like, built-in, like, the ability to pump them full of adrenaline. I was gonna say something about keeping them awake for the process, but I realized that's completely unnecessary, so I have nothing. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, maybe it, maybe there's something about adrenaline helping blood production, but I... Uh... <laughs> yeah, it just it felt like, okay, why... There's no other big buttons with like text like that on this like touch screen, but there's one saying adrenaline, inject adrenaline. Yeah. Which, much later on in the movie, during the third act, we see William Fickner taking their blood and getting the ooze out of it. Um, that's a lot of ooze. They either had, like, zero blood left in them, or the ooze makes up, like, 50% of their blood. Uh, maybe their blood produces more of it. Kind of like how blood, you get, you know, blood sort of reproduces, so maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe they use reproduces in there too i don't know i mean it is literally science magic so i'm not, I'm not defending it. i'm just trying yeah <laughs> fair enough uh yeah so of course they have to try and get away and they end up stealing one of the big trucks here and the shredder get... is flying there via helicopter yes yes but they've got a, there's a lot of cars with foot try to like kill them so mm. we get this chase going down the road which eventually ends up going down the the snowy mountain uh, as previously mentioned. And we get a variety of things happening here. We get Leo uh, sort of sledding down the mountain on his shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the aforementioned Donnie using his staff to like flip a, a, a truck. Um, mm-hmm. We get the ass scene, <laughs> as we mentioned. Uh, Mikey's riding on top of the truck for a lot of it. Donnie uh, has to save one of them at one point. Um... <laughs> You look very distressed. I just, I, this entire scene, the moment it started, the moment the truck petered off the road and started going down the cliff, I was like, this is the point where Michael Bay said, use all the money, just all of it. And it looks like shit. That's that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. 
It's like, I can, I know this is the set piece of the movie. This is the point that you want to walk out of theater with everybody remembering it. And you're describing these things. And I'm like, oh yeah, Donnie did flip the truck at that point. And oh yeah, that part did happen. Because the only thing that's in my head right now is the ass scene. It's just it's CGI vomit. That that was the thing that as, as soon as the truck starts to come off the edge and like mm-hmm. w- you know Will Arnett's trying to steer it and it cuts to this wide shot where the truck's starting to sphere down the mountain and all of it's CG. It just looks all CG. Yeah. And all I could feel like was this is just abundance because we can do this with CG now. And it doesn't feel like the sort of scene that f- feels like it belongs in a Turtles movie. Like the entire third act of this movie feels like we have to go the, the the big superhero bombastic destruction all that stuff mm-hmm. when no they're ninjas like the, the, you yeah. know they have they have intense like intense ninja face like that that's what the you know it should be building up to them taking on the shredder or something instead we've got this huge set piece that's out of a well a Michael Bay movie really yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know and it, it's just it's just it's just cg vomit the whole thing it just looks awful I want to know by percentage how much of this movie was actually at night because I feel like these ninja turtles are just consistently doing all their work during the day. There are scenes early on or at night once the shredders come for them and the sewers mm-hmm. the entire last half of the movie is in the daytime. Yeah, which I'm like I understand that, you know, okay, you everything here happens one right after another. There is no time to really rest or change that. But then you just change the time that it all started. You just make it so that it starts at dusk and continues into the night. Because these are ninja t- especially, and I'm skipping ahead here, we get to the end. There is this entire set piece where the turtles are literally dangling several hundred feet over crowds of people in New York. And nobody sees them. <laughs> nobody knows they're there. I mean, yeah, the, so, so they, yeah, they get to the building because there's like a sewer access at the bottom of this mountain. Mm-hmm. And they jump in there, and they. Do you know what it looked like? Do you know what this reminded me of? Obviously, they're, they're sort of basically just raiding down these sewer pipes on their shells. It yeah. reminded me a lot of in the Super Mario Brothers movie when they're in the mattress going down the the tube. I'd have to rewatch the Super Mario Brothers movie at some point very soon. Well, luckily we are watching that sick for oh, hey. reasons. <laughs> but like, that's what it made me think of, and like you know, uh, mm. the, the humans are raiding on. Like, I think Raph Scott, Will Arnett, and Mikey's yeah. holding uh, Megan Fox and being all creepy, <laughs> uh, as but, he does. But they get to the, the tower, right? And it's very, it's very, you know, like it made me think a lot of uh, the first Amazing Spider-Man. You know, it's the top of this skyscraper. There's going to be a toxin released over the city, and that was only a two-year-old movie when this came out. Yeah, no, I was. That was a thing in these action movies and these superhero movies for so long is the space laser yes the on top of the big size the blue beam just shooting up yeah yeah the blue beam of light i, I mean there's no blue beam, beam of light in this but yeah the blue beam there of light isn't, but i was waiting for it i was waiting for it to be like oh it's powering up and then you just see the like one 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 and i'm like all right just do it already i'm sick and tired of waiting it's uh, it's everything so freaking generic like that, that, it that's is. the thing you've got all the adaptation and all the changes that are all just kind of bad to Mm -hmm. to mediocre but then you've just got the how generic a movie it is aside from that and you know the third act is a big part of that so we have can i can i real quick just in this third act scene they they point out that they filled up this spire of this tower the entire spire with this disease this toxin that's going to infect the city and this has just been on standby 
sitting there because they didn't have the cure. Yes. So they've just had this spire full of toxin for a decade and a half. And, you know, maybe one day we'll get the ability to release it. Who knows? Uh, what, what would have been funny is if uh, they released it and everyone's like, oh, God, everyone's going to die. And then they went, oh, wait a minute. No, it's past the cell by day. It's, it's unaffected. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, it turns out the uh, virus only has a li- able to, ability to live for like a month. Huh. <laughs> it oh, went, well. out, went out of date in 2004. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work anymore. Oh, well. Um, yeah, so the turtles go up to the roof and are fighting Shredder up there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's a lot of back and forth. Uh, oh, but before they get up there, we get a elevator beatbox scene. Oh, I forgot about that. Where we literally see the entire elevator trip, Mikey starts beatboxing, and all the turtles one by one join in. I'm going to say... That gives it an extra six points on my scale. And then there's Buck Buck, which is... Oh, yeah, Buck. That was so not set up properly. Yeah. Oh, it's actually, that makes me think. There's, there's a few references in this that fell... Because, uh, obviously, we complained that Turtles 3, especially, was a, maybe a bit pop culture reference heavy. Mm-hmm. This one... Is it just me, or did they all feel a little bit out of date for when it came out? Because... They reference Keyboard Cat early on. Michelangelo is like obsessed with Keyboard Cat. And I'm like, I yep. feel like by 2014, that was already ancient. Um, There's no way Hollywood will ever be able to keep <laughs> up with the speed of memes. It's just impossible. And it, well, the other one was uh, when they're falling and thinking they might die and they're admitting things. Uh, mm-hmm. Michelangelo yells out, I didn't understand the end of Lost. But that was like four years before this. Like, if it, I was like, that feels like an old reference. It's a secret he was really struggling with. I don't know what you <laughs> I don't know, it just felt like all the references were a few years late to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long this was in production. I know that they were bouncing around to live-action Turtles for several years, but I don't know when the actual production started on this one. I I would presume sometime in early 2013, I'd guess. Yeah, probably. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the, the Keyboard Cat one, definitely late, but that's just by meme standards. Like, Hollywood's always late on those things. The Lost one... I don't know. I feel like they've had like eight lines for Mikey during that scene and they recorded all of them and they mm-hmm. just picked the one they thought was funniest. Yeah, I suppose. So they're fighting Shredder. Shredder, mm-hmm. mad that he's going to lose. Because uh, they think they've thrown him off the edge, but then he gets back up, obviously. Which this scene is doing that thing again where none of the turtles are able to beat Shredder. Like, just, one by one, they attack him, two by two, they attack him. And I'm fine with that. I like it. I like the fact yeah. that they're not able to do it until they all team up. What I don't like is the fact that this one scene wraps up every plot. All of them all at once. It wraps up, how do we beat Shredder, Leo being the leader of the team, and Raphael supporting him and not leaving. All yeah. three of them within 30 seconds. Yep, yep. Again, a lot of the actual plot lines feel very condensed and rushed. Mm-hmm. So we could have more dumb jokes and more, you know, whatever else. Uh, the Shredder gets pissed and ends up, like, taking down the, the big spire. And it starts to fall over. And the turtles are trying to hold it up. And then... It, Which, they're Superman, right? Yeah, like, apparently. They, they are literally... This is several thousand tons. And they're just holding it up. And then, but then April starts to fall with it or something, so the turtles have to like jump down. So it's sort of like it's it's horizontal, basically going down mm-hmm. to another building, and they're all dangling. And the, one of the turtles has to grab April, and they're all dangling. And what's so funny is that the final blow that actually sends Shredder to his death that makes him fall off, uh, and it was like a proper like 
like crater when he lands. <laughs> but the final thing that makes him fall off is that what what turtle is it? Maybe is it Raph? But it's Donnie. Is it Donnie? Donnie yeah. hits him with April. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! If you're talking about that hit, that's Raph. Oh, yeah. That's Raph. Yeah, because April says swing me at him and mm-hmm. one of the other toys goes yeah raf do it and he's like all right and he just swings her at him and i guess she like kicks him or yeah so <laughs> they did this weird thing where she shredder throws one of his daggers and they like redirect it back at him so it stabs him in the chest mm-hmm. and then he pulls it out and donatello uses his sword to just stab him in the chest again because second time's the charm i guess and then April is swung up and just kicks him in the face until he falls off. And it just felt like a hat on a hat on a hat yeah, in that I, situation. I would not have predicted the final blow to Shredder in this movie was a turtle throwing April O'Neil at him, but that's gotta, what happened. Keep you on your toes. I do wonder if they went ahead with their original plan of having Eric Sachs being Shredder. At mm. what point during this fight do you think he would have been unmasked or revealed? Oh, uh, he would have been unmasked for sure. Because I think when April's... Because April being the final blow would have made more sense i wouldn't have liked it it'd have been really contrived and like generic but it would have at least been you killed my father kick yeah (laughs) that's the thing there was the reveal during the plot where they were trying to get the cure in order to hold it over shredder's head uh where they revealed that eric Sachs killed her father not like he died in the fire which i think was implied earlier on in the movie but no he was shot multiple times by eric so... Which was obvious. Like this is the thing. The seconds when Fitner was introduced as this like sort of kind businessman, it, it, it felt like a Lex Luthor. Like, hey, I'm great for the city. I believe in this city. I'm mm-hmm. going to help make the city better. And I was like, oh, it's Bob Evil. Hello, yeah, hello, sir. I I do like. There's a little trivia bit in here that I'm curious what you think. The original name of Shredder was Oroko Oroki Saki. That sounds which, yeah, that's familiar. Yeah, which Eric Socks is like the anglicization of that. Hiroki, uh, Eric, Saki, Socks. Yeah, they were they were so going to make him Shredder, and then oh, absolutely. Out. I mean, I think it's very telling that Shredder is never unmasked. That you never see any mm-hmm. of his face, which makes me think that he probably was meant to be him in that fight when they filmed it, or oh, when yeah. they, or I say filmed it when they did all the CG for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there and, was um there was the one scene where he was talking to the guy who supposedly is actually Shredder, mm. the bald guy. And he calls him Shredder, but they specifically are holding on William Fickner's face right up until the second he says the word Shredder, and, and then cuts. they cut to an away shot yeah. and just dub it over. And I'm like, oh, I see, I see what you did there, yeah, you tricksy yeah. little movie. Very, very smart. Because I think, because uh, keep in mind as well, if they shot, because the Shredder stuff in the suit is all CG, mm-hmm. all they had to do was, if, if they did get unmasked at one point, like... Yeah, they'd probably just shot some stuff of Fickner's face to put into it, but they just wouldn't use that and just they just put the mask back on. They just never unmasked. Yeah. I presume that when he comes back up after he gets knocked off and he like for the final bit of the fight, that's probably mm-hmm. when he would maybe pull the mask off or yeah or something. You know, like, there's a, a couple mean, of moments they could have done it. That is the benefit to all of this being CGI mush. Is that all they had to do to fix that scene of not unmasking him is just not delete the asset of his helmet yeah. just leave it on leave the helmet on and i suppose also just get the other actor to record a couple of lines for mm-hmm. you know adr because you can't see yeah. his mouth anyway so who gives a shit 
it's not it's not like William Fickner, even if he was technically supposed to be Shredder in the script, ever like shot scenes where he was in a samurai outfit or no. anything like that. Although they do particularly give Shredder a vague Japanese accent, which can I just point out here, this is where the movie really threw me off. The guy that we're supposed to believe is Shredder, like the actual guy, mm-hmm. only speaks in Japanese. Everyone else talks English to him, but he only speaks in Japanese. Meanwhile, Shredder in the costume speaks in English with a Japanese accent. I have I have nothing for you. Would you <laughs> I have no explanation. Like, that one's the one that really, as soon as he started speaking English, I'm like, oh, it sounds Japanese. It must be the Japanese guy. But then I'm like, but he doesn't speak English. I wonder I wonder why they, they backed out. Because, like, the, like, given how shit everything else is and how everyone hates all the changes they made, did they yeah. think this was going to be the one that crossed the line that there'd be too much Hon- backlash? Honestly, based off everything I've seen about it, yeah. They, they were getting backlash on the turtle's designs because they were revealed at that point. And they were like, well, we don't want to change that Shredder is actually a white guy now, so... Which, you know, is kind of, like, a different kind of problematic as well. You know, it's a little, you know, whitewashing a character Mm -hmm. uh, could could be a problem. And as far as the Turtles' designs go, this is before, uh, you know, the movie that changed how we approach all this, which is, of course, Sonic, where the trailer (laughs) came out, everyone hated it, and said, you know what, we're going to delay the movie and redo all the CG and make Sonic look less creepy and yep. you know now it's three sequels yeah and it definitely was better for it you know you, you mm-hmm. like don't get me wrong i i do think there is a problem with like caving into fan demand to an extent where yeah. like you know changing your story just to appease fans is is uh, is per practice is particularly if you're a creator who cares about what you made i think is is a little bit weird and murkier when it's just this like product that's you know a company hired people and like you know this doesn't feel like a work of passion where turtles fans were like oh i'm making my magnum opus turtle movie this feels like a work for hire from a shitty director who was just hired because he would turn things on in time yeah i think that's really the biggest thing is that the turtles fans they still have in their mind the original original movie and the original cartoon which i mean the cartoon was made to sell toys and so was the movie but the movie was made out of just nothing and it managed to become this huge thing. This is the reverse, where it's given boatloads of money, boatloads of time, boatloads of everything, and it comes out as nothing. It comes out as just another cog in the summer release schedule. Yeah, you know, it did obviously well enough to get one sequel, because we've got mm-hmm. that to do next, but like, it, it was kind of a like only just scenario, and then the second one didn't do well enough to get a third, so now we're yeah. getting an animated movie this year. We're, we're going a different tactic, and... Um, it's just that weird thing as well. The, the over-design part is really weird to me as well, given that there's still that part of it is to sell toys. And it's the same thing with Transformers. They over-complicated the designs and the transformations where it's just a mush yeah. of mechanical parts. Part of the fun of Transformers is being able to tell which part goes where and kind of the simplicity of like how it forms into I mean, the other thing. You know, Even more so than that, not counting Optimus and Bumblebee, can you tell any of those robots apart? No, especially the villains. The Decepticons yeah. are all the same color. They're all silver yeah. to gray, and they're all just mush. The Autobots at least have a bit of color in some of them, so I can kind of tell, like, Ratchet mm-hmm. and Ironhide, but not but as see, much as Bumblebee and Optimus. But that's why I'm a little bit more okay with what they did with the Turtles in this movie, of giving them extra junk. Yes, it lowers the simplicity of it, but it does make it so that at a glance, just a passing during these fight scenes when they're going after each other, I can still tell, okay, that one has something on his head. That one must be Donatello. 
Yeah, but it, all, it almost feels like a problem with their own creation, though, because I never had that problem before, because you could always just clearly see the colour of the band and the weapons. Oh, yeah. Right? The problem with this is that because everything has to be darker and how it's shot, you can't mm-hmm. actually tell the colour of the band, because it's like, you're like, oh, I, th- yeah. I think it might be blue? Maybe yeah. purple? They made their own problem in this movie, <laughs> and the solution they came up with is add more junk. Yes. I like that they had a solution for the problem, but they shouldn't have had the problem to begin with. Yeah. Just let us be able to see what's going on clearly, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be an issue. Uh, and yep. Don't get me wrong; differences are good. I always say you shouldn't cast like two people who look too alike in, in the same movie because it can get confusing. Unless the mm-hmm. plot point is that they're supposed to look alike, but like you know, something as simple as like if you got two guys have different hair colors, have one with a beard, you know, yep. have different races, whatever it may be. It just it's simple things where at a glance you're never confused about who's who. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, I think the same can go for something like the Turtles, but, you know, it's just too over-designed and they're so big and bulky as well. I just hate it. So so just to wrap up the movie, uh, they knock over the spire, but Donatello manages to go, it's a Unix system, and immediately shut down the whole thing. Um, They save the day, they go into the sewer. Shredder is a crater on the ground, yet he got some ooze on him, so has something well you see the ooze canister's broken obviously from falling and his hand moves and then stops it's, it's very similar to uh the hand at the end of turtles 2 where it's like oh he's still kind of alive and uh, yeah nah. no never mind. i'll bet that um and then we have one final like post scene where will arnett meets up with megan fox they he's trying to still lay down the moves but then the turtles show up in their little turtle van yes and then blow up Will Arnett's car, because why not? That's kind of your tease for the sequels. They've got the van now, so you're going to get van action in the in the second movie. <laughs> uh, yes, and yes, uh, Michelangelo accidentally makes a whoopsie and uses the rocket launcher. Uh, yep. Blows up Will Arnett's car. Yeah, I, I had a check. I actually checked the mid and the end credits to see if there was a scene. You know, I just had a quick skim just to make yep, sure. But, uh, I didn't want to miss that. There was one that was like... They did like three credits, and then they had another scene of the turtles jumping around in mid daylight. And then, in order to hide, they grab onto the boobs of this big bra ad on the screen, <laughs> and then they just go away after that. And I'm like, why? What? Why? Did you miss that bit? I did miss that bit. But, okay, but it sounds on point for Michael Bay's uh, like comedy. Like, it wasn't even a mid credit scene. Like, they had, they were doing those, like, specialized credits, like the ones that are all motion comic or whatever. Mm. And it was, like, maybe 15 seconds into those. And then they continued with another two and a half minutes of motion comic before they got into the black and white credits. So I don't, I don't even know what you would call that as a mid credit scene. It's kind of a pre credit scene. Aren't all movie scenes pre credit scenes? You would think so, yet he found a way to do it. <laughs> That's just the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. I I have basically nothing good to say about this. Like, it's you know it's it's obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's made to be generic. It's made to appeal to fans of something like a tran- you know the the modern Transformers movies. It's this corporate studio CGI filled you know, tick all the boxes type of movie. Uh, and it's kind of soulless. You know, it doesn't really feel like yeah. anyone making it cared to 
or gave a shit about any of the, the, the property or the characters in it. Um, it's just kind of going through the, the motions and trying to be a modern blockbuster. And it's got all of the failings of modern blockbuster and even the CG doesn't look good and the action doesn't look good to watch. So it doesn't even get any of the benefits of like what a modern blockbuster can bring to the table. Yeah. So you're left with something that is uh, unsatisfying as a movie. It's unsatisfying as a, a fan of the characters. It's it's a great big pile of shit. That's what I started with. And that's what I'm ending with. Yeah, I guess on my side of things, I I don't fault it so much for being just a byproduct of the system. I don't think it's high art. I don't think it's even good. But I can't fault it for, hey, the only way that the studio is going to trust you enough to make this movie is to just follow the formula. And it's... I. I guess, let me ask you from a Turtles fan perspective, mm-hmm. would you rather have this or nothing at all? Nothing. Nothing? Okay. Fair enough. Easy. Nothing. I, I, I guess that completely ruins that part, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, easily nothing. Thank you very much. Um, okay. I mean, the new animated movie, just from the, the, the image I saw, looked like it could be that cool. Yeah. Well, we'll find out eventually. Yeah, we'll find out later this year. I don't know. But we, we still have one more of oh, these yeah, turtles do. before you get that. We have a sequel to this movie uh, with mm. Casey Jones and whatever else they had. And I, I don't know. Did, did, did they do Cry in the second one? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it has to be a Bebop and Rocksteady. Yeah? I remember oh, that being I think they were in the trailer. I, I feel like they were introduced in the trailer. Yeah. I'm cheating a little bit and looking ahead to see. Laura Lenny's in the next one. What? Oh, boy. Oh, Baxter Stockman's in the next one, played by Tyler Perry. That's right. But there was a there was a Baxter Stockman in the credits for this one. I saw yeah. it. Uh, it must, I, I honestly, I saw something about they were planning to do the thing from Turtles Two, where mm. they used the ooze or the mutagen to on a couple of Foot Clan soldiers, and those were going to become Bebop and Rocksteady for a third act fight. But they yeah. decided to scrap it from this movie and just save it for a sequel. So it seems like we're just going to basically get Secret of the Ooze redux. Not only that, uh, Shredder is back, although played by a different actor. Uh, we have Bebop and Rocksteady, and we do have Krang. So at least at least they're doing some stuff that wasn't in the original movies. I'm sorry. Has we Have we ever had, as much as you don't want to call it a comic book movie, it is a comic book movie. Have we ever had a good comic book movie that's had three villains in it? Um, hold on, I'm thinking. Okay, <laughs> I'm thinking. People would shit on Dark Knight Rises. I would say it's actually still really great, but that only has two technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you count Catwoman. Unless which, you count Catwoman, but I don't know if you. I don't know if you would. I think that's a nah. bit of a technicality. Um, because the only one that's really popping into my mind, uh, in terms of closest, was Spider-Man Three, and. That is not exactly the highest praise. I mean, No Way Home technically has more villains than that, but it's True. kind of a weird case. And I, I do think it's a bit overrated, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's you know it works well enough. I'm just saying that for this movie, if they're bringing in Bebop and Rocksteady and Baxter Stockman, I'm okay with that. If they're bringing in Krang, I'd be okay with that separately. But if we're bringing in Krang, Bebop, Rocksteady, and Shredder again, maybe rewrite the script. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of things. But who's to say how big a part some of these characters have? I don't know. 
We'll see. Krang is literally just going to show up, look at the scene, and go, oh, I'm, not, I'm too early, bye. Hey, for all we know, Krang could just be like a post-credit tease for a third movie that never happened. One can dream. <laughs> but yeah, so we somehow have a shredder. Uh, also, Rocksteady is played by Seamus, the wrestler. So, Oh, we know how you love your wrestlers in your movies. <laughs> I mean, that's a bit of a strong thing. Honestly, the, the biggest hope for the second one, other than that I, mem- I vaguely remember people saying it was a bit better, is that it's got a different director. I mean, I don't know mm. if Dave Green here is uh, anyone... What did he make? Earth to Echo? Yeah, we went... I- Say, so, hey, look, Spider Man 3 is on there too. Additional crew. Additional, but yeah, he didn't direct that. That's not really. Yeah, it looks like he is very unexperienced. Bunch of short movies, a TV episode, and Earth to Echo are his mm-hmm. uh, filmography. Okay, well. well. It's, it's okay because we have the uh, writer is now producing. So, and writing as well. So, all good. Everything's going to be the same. <laughs> well. We'll see you next time for uh, Out of the Shadows, which is the subtitle of uh, the next one. But uh, yep. we have to rate this uh, piece of shit first. So Ugh. what are you giving it? God, this is a tough one. Um, after thinking about it, I realized the biggest flaw of the movie, the biggest point where they failed, is that no one fainted when they saw Splinter. She fainted when she saw a turtle, though, I think. I think it was Mikey, but yeah. it's not the same. It's got to be Splinter. So, overall, for this movie, I'm not as down on it as you are. So I would really like to know your score first, but I know you'll never <laughs> give that up. <laughs> no, not a chance. Not a chance, you coward. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give this one... I'm going to give it a five. It is, it is worse than Turtles 3, but it is still just such a by-the-books action movie around this time. It has all of the same things. And because I don't have that nostalgic link to Turtles, it doesn't quite ruin that for me. It's just another action film that happens to have the Turtles in it. So I'm just giving it a straight-down-the-middle five. Hmm. I will one-up that and say that it's not even a good generic action movie, though. I think it's, okay. it's quite poor. No. I think it is an average action movie. No, I, I think it's below average. I, 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 like, I am so sick of the type of movie that this is that mm. I, I, you know, I, I would hate it even without the... Like, you say I have a connection to Turtles and that I'll be annoyed that, it, you know, it's, it's desecrating their memory or whatever. <laughs> but I actually also hate a lot of the the generic qualities that this has on its own you know regardless of that yeah and it is such a vapid just like nothing summer blockbuster that is completely soulless that honestly i am going straight down to a three out of ten on this piece of shit uh i cannot recommend this in any way shape or form i don't think there's anything good that i can say about it um so I guess that then leads us to our other rating, which clearly you're on the cutting side of things, but is it cut from the collection or cut your losses? <laughs> I almost want to put a new lower tier in. The says, new lower one? Which is a... The, the shall not be named tier? The the, the, the cut yourself tier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But no, no, uh, no the, the low one. Cut, cut your losses. Low one. Like, cut your losses. Like, Honestly, I, I don't watch it. There's no reason to watch this. It's shit. It's just, yeah. you're getting nothing from it. Like, it's not even at the point where it's doing something so bad that it's entertaining. No. It is just so generic. No. Like, because I said at the start of this that the director is even worse than Michael Bay. Everyone remembers this as the Bay Turtles movie, but it's actually even worse than that because the director's worse. And, like, having just watched Transformers, I did not give Transformers a positive review. I think it's aged quite poorly. I think the humor is really immature. There's a lot of things that I, w- I really ripped into. There was a good discussion with Tara over in the Ace. But mm-hmm. it's a better movie than this. Like, it's still better than this for a, a few different reasons. Um, this feels like a hollow imitation of the tone that that movie has. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So, I, I, I can. I, yeah. Do not watch. Cut your losses. Okay. I mean, I agree. I, I could. I can't say that I see any reason that you should watch this. I think that it is just if you want to watch this movie, but better. And better is a very subjective term. There, watch any other Michael Bay movie. Honestly, yeah, it's all the same stuff is happening. And honestly, like when I say better, like part of it's not even just it's not even so much that it's better per se. It's just that it's more relevant. Because it's mm. the the thing that established what a lot of this movie is, and it's all. So if you're just studying movies for the sake of looking at trends and looking at how, like, what type of humor and what type of action was in movies, Transformers is the one to look at because it's the one that established a lot of it. And there's a lot mm. more. Oh God, this is aged poorly. This, on the other hand, is like you know, like the the eighteenth example. That's you know, no one cares about the eighteenth example. It's useless. No, not at all. This movie didn't even have an ending song by Linkin Park. No. Like, what are you even doing at that point? There was a rap about turtles, but it was not... I was going to say, it was they no... have to have a turtle rap, but yeah. it's not good. Yes, it's not, it's, not, it's not Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Come on. Which I know we've already wrapped up here, but I do... One last criticism I forgot to bring up. The soundtrack of this movie, the score, is just a whole bunch of, like, cinematic, operatic, like, oh, and I'm just... I'm tired of it. The, as soon as I started, I was tired of it. Sure. It's just a really generic score. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've used the word generic a bunch of times, but like, it's really hard to... Would you say that the word generic is getting generic? It's really hard to articulate such a level of mediocrity. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It's it's hard. It's like trying... Describe the color gray. (laughs) It's gray. Wow. (laughs) That's all you can say. Yeah. You know? Uh, well there you go that is uh, the 2014 Ninja Turtles movie we'll be yep. back next time to wrap up this current uh, Turtles season obviously there's the 2007 animated movie we've not forgotten about that that'll be done just before the new animated movie comes out later in the year mm-hmm. uh, but this we'll be wrapping up the live action movies with Out of the Shadows next time and then we're on to John Wick I think hey yep so uh better but you know i haven't seen i haven't seen the third one but at least you know i haven't seen any of them they're better than than this was <laughs> i'll tell you that much <laughs> oh dear uh and it's, it's a really important distinction actually because you know when i'm saying generic people i think sometimes when people try to get you you just like you but you know john wick's got a pretty generic so it's like yeah john wick has a very typical revenge structure mm. so the plot is pretty typical but what makes this generic and that not generic as far as like how the movie feels goes is because its strengths come in, how it's executed, how it's shot, the action scenes, right. the fighting, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, the plot's on its own, bit generic, sure. The problem with yeah. this is, is that everything, the jokes, the the characterization, the way it's shot, the CG, mm-hmm. the everything about it, everything. John Wick may have a generic element, but this movie is just generic. Yes. Beautiful. So there you go. That has been the collector's cut. Thank you very much for everyone for joining us. Of course, you can support the show and keep it all coming by going over to patreon.com slash TV and supporting the show. Uh, the $3 tier, you get a bonus episode every month where we'll do a movie that sort of ties into the, the whatever the theme is. So in this case, mm-hmm. we did TMNT versus Batman uh, animated movie from yep. uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, and then at the five dollars tier, we now get have the other bonus show, which is Collector's Cut Extra Reels, where we just do like a sort of B movie that's uh, a bit more random. And we uh, this month did Deadly Prey, so yep. check out that. Uh, last month was Miami Connection, so uh, building up a back catalogue, of course. So these bonus episodes as we go. So uh, there's bonuses for other shows, and of course, and uh, so a lot of content to go check out. But go and have a look. Mm-hmm. You can also like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications on YouTube. It helps us out a lot if you do that. Uh, more subscribers is always good uh, <laughs> and then of course you can rate the podcast five stars on itunes or wherever you get your podcast from and share it with your friends of course our twitter is at screams midnight for all male fuzz movies related shows so that is it that is us yep so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching movies and you know mikey that one said that thing you said when we were young that one time i'll allow you to say it one more time Cowabunga!